Well, brothers and sisters, we are continuing our series on Philippians, the letter of uh, the letter of Paul to the people of uh, Philippi. And uh, I mentioned last week that this was going to be the last series that I uh, preach here, uh, unless God has some uh, rather shocking changes for us uh, in mind. Um, and, and I don't know, Gwyneth didn't know whether I mentioned when my last Sunday would be. Did I tell you that? Okay. So we have determined that my last Sunday preaching here will be June the 11th. June the 11th will be my last Sunday preaching here. Um, I will still be here for uh, the 18th and the 25th or whatever the last Sunday is there. Um, But I'll be packing up my stuff to be able to go uh, to uh, Mississauga. And so I, I imagine I'll be here for church, but I won't be preaching. So um, just FYI. So this series, Dwelling with Philippians, uh, I chose partly because, um, well, mostly because that's what God seemed to be leading me to do. Uh, along with that, my heart resonated with a lot of the message that Paul gives to the people of Philippi um, and how um, how I feel about you in a lot of ways. And so it resonates with me and hopefully will resonate with you as well. This morning, we are looking at our second part, Confident Prayer. And we are looking at uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3, 11, 3 to 11. You can follow along on the screen there, or you can open your pew Bibles and follow along there too. This is what the scriptures say, what Paul says to the people of Philippi, and what, uh, and what God says to us as well. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you. Because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this. That the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you. Because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. (coughs) For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best. So that in the day of Christ, you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. The word of the Lord. Well, this passage, uh, like Paul wants to do or does almost all the time, he, he packs so much meaning and so much depth into uh, into anything that he writes, right? Uh, I mean, first of all, we've talked about a number of times how Paul loves the run-on sentence, 
Um, he just goes on and on in a sentence that should probably make up a whole paragraph. He just says it all, right? Um, but then uh, we also have mentioned before, I, I believe that uh, Paul just crams it in such that there is, there is too much almost to pull out in everything in every passage, in every sermon. And so I want to encourage you that as we go through this service, uh, this, uh, this series, take some time at home, if you, if you have room in your devotional schedule or whatever, take some time to read through the letter of Philippians. Uh, if you can do it a number of different times, that's great. If you can do it all in one sitting, that's also great. Uh, reading through the whole letter at once, then you get the picture of what Paul is saying to the people of Philippi, uh, the big picture, and you can see how it all flows together and so on. Let's go to the next slide for a moment. So this is what the Heidelberg Catechism says about the communion of saints. And I'm going to invite us to read the answer uh, together because th this is what Paul is talking, or this is who Paul is talking to and, and partly what Paul is talking about. He is talking to the saints with whom he has a deep and wonderful relationship. He's so grateful for them. And even though this painting over here is uh, St. Paul in prison, right? And so you can see him. He is contemplating the words that he's going to write. You can see uh, maybe a quill in his hand and, and he's sitting there. He's got one, one sandal, one shoe off and one on. And he's sitting on a bed. Now this was painted by Rembrandt and so it's not necessarily supposed to be historically accurate to what Paul would have actually looked like or worn in uh, the days that he was actually alive, but it has some resonance with uh, sort of Rembrandt's time and uh, what Paul would have looked like if he was there and then. Uh, but nonetheless, you can see him contemplating what he is going to say and, uh, and reminds us that he is writing to the saints in Philippi. And so this is what the Heidelberg Catechism says to us. What do you understand by the communion of the saints? And let us read the answer together. First, that all and every one who believes, being members of Christ, are in common partakers of Him and of His riches and gifts. Secondly, that every one must know it to be their duty readily and cheerfully to employ their gifts for the advantage and salvation of other members. We are partakers. Let's keep it back at that one. We are partakers together and individual uh, of Jesus Christ. We are members of Christ. I love the way that, that the catechism puts that little phrase there. Members of Christ. Right? It's, it's true that we are members of Athens Christian Reformed Church, many of us, right? But more importantly, much more importantly, infinitely more importantly, we are members of Christ. It used to be, I remember, um, and 
it's not so much anymore. But I, I remember uh, that, uh, that growing up in, in Christian Reformed circles, um, that uh, we wanted our children or you know, people my age, we wanted them to find uh, a hoot maisha from the catech or <laughs> a good girl from the church. Right, that's what we wanted, right? Or, or for for uh, for the boys or for the girls, right? The, you know, you know how it goes, right? Um, we wanted to find a good girl from the church, but not just any church, ideally, right? Not just any church. We wanted a good girl from the Christian Reformed Church, and, and ideally, we wanted a good girl from our Christian Reformed Church. Or at least one that had uh, sort of similar values and wasn't too liberal or too conservative and stodgy or whatever. We wanted we wanted a hoot Maisha from the Catech, and we wanted her to be from our particular church. Now, one of the things that I am so grateful for in not just in the Christian Reformed Church, but I think across. Uh, Protestantism and Christianity in general in North America is that that has shifted to some degree. Now, now we still hear once in a while we still we still hear, well, she's a Baptist, but that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Right? Right? As if as if somehow being a Baptist is not as good as being Christian Reformed, at least not for our child or for our grandson or granddaughter or whatever but it has changed a lot it's not like we think any longer at least i don't think we think um you know that we're the only true church and everybody else is destined for bad places right uh we recognize that the family of christ is bigger than just athens christian reformed church is bigger than um, Christian Reformed churches is bigger than Reformed churches in general, is bigger than Protestantism and so on. What matters is being a member of Christ. And, and, and so the Catechism um, recognizes this, that everyone is a member of Christ, partaker of Him. Right? This is, this is cool. Partakers of Him, right? This is what we do when we have when we have the uh, when we have the Lord's Supper. We partake of the Lord's Supper, right? But it's a word we don't use very often anymore. I, I can't remember the last time I used the word partake in a regular conversation with anybody. But it, it, it's sort of a combination of participation and and taking. Right? It's we are doing this together. We are partaking. We are together taking part in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And, and so this is a beautiful thing as well. And, and brothers and sisters, this is something that we feel very much to be true about us and you, that together we have partaken not only of communion, but of the communion of the saints as brothers and sisters, siblings, family members in Christ, members of Him. 
But we also, we also recognize that we all have a duty to readily and cheerfully employ our gifts for the advantage of salvation of other members. Now, this one gets a little bit tricky, right? It used to be um, that uh, if the church came a-knocking, you were expected to answer, right? If, if the church comes up to Justin and says, hey, Justin, you want to be an elder? Then Justin says, yep because Justin really doesn't have a choice, right? He's got a duty to do it, right? And, and now we recognize that there are other factors at play, right? If Justin's got a job that's making him work 60 hours a week and he's got a family with little kids and he's got to spend time with them and, uh, you know, maybe his wife and him are having some difficulties and so... Uh, we want to give them some space to have that and so on and so forth. Those, those all might be really good reasons for Justin to say, you know, thank you um, for asking. Uh, I, I really don't think it's a good idea for me right now. Right? I remember, and many of you will remember this too. I remember my dad, uh, he was a high school teacher for many, many years, and he was almost always it felt like he was either um an elder or he was on the school board he would he would get off being an elder and they would put him on the school board and and so he would often also be the clerk of council which is a lot of work and so or he would be the the vice chair or the chair of council or whatever and so he'd be doing he'd be either marking papers busy at home marking papers or he'd be out doing house visits, or he would be out doing council visits, or he would be out doing school board meeting visits. And, and, and I felt like I hardly ever saw the man. I got to see him in the summers, thankfully, when he was off because uh, he was a teacher and we would go camping for a few weeks or whatever. But during the school year, he was gone. Gwyneth remembers with her dad, right? Um, she was, uh, I'm not going to get this totally right, I don't think. But she, she as a little girl, um, she, she prayed her prayer at, at night, right? Her, her bedtime prayer. And um, she prayed, um, and Lord bless daddy in his meeting or something like that, right? Lord bless daddy in his meeting. And, and her mother said to her, he's not in a meeting tonight. And she said, no, basically. She said, no. And she, she had to go out of her bedroom and run to find him because she didn't believe that he was actually home for a night. I didn't mess that up too bad, did I? Eh, you could have told it better, I'm sure. Yeah, right? So th- this, was, this was sort of the way it was. And we recognize that that's, that's not necessarily the heart of, of what it means to be the communion of saints. Yeah, there is a responsibility and a duty to do stuff for sure. And we also have a responsibility and a duty to care for our families, to love our spouses, to raise our children, to do the work that we need to do in our employment, to have some semblance of fun and relaxation in our lives because that's good and healthy and what God wants for us too. And so we, we try to balance it. Now, of course, it can swing the other way, right? It can swing the other way. And one of the most common things that I hear from churches 
all over is that it's almost impossible to find elders and deacons and other leaders for other positions within the church as well, right? And it's not just because everybody's totally busy. It's because some people just say no, right? And, and that's, of course, up to your discretion and talking with God about it, right? But a little bit of poking there might be, might be good. Now, thankfully, we have expressed this to each other as council members on numerous occasions. We are so grateful for the many, many volunteers that we have in this congregation who serve in so many different capacities. We, we, we are blessed. I remember when we first got here, before we even accepted the call, um, we sat down and asked somebody, uh, I think it was council or the calling committee or whatever, we said, how do, you, how do you get things done with only one full-time employee and, and the other employees being a custodian who gets a stipend and, and uh, somebody who gets paid to do the bulletin? And that was about it at the time. How, how do you get stuff done? Like, you, don't, you have a congregation of this size and you don't have, like, a paid youth pastor. You don't have a paid, um, you know, worship coordinator. You don't have... A, a paid secretary even. How do you do it? I said, they said, well, we have volunteers. To do that. I was like, what? no. Right? But it's true. You have, we have been blessed with volunteers to do stuff that in a lot of churches wouldn't be able to be done without paid employees. Right? And that's a beautiful and wonderful thing. At the same time, we've got to remember to poke around. Are we doing our duty as part of the communion of the saints to employ our gifts cheerfully and for the advantage and salvation of others? Let's go with the next slide. Polycarp. So, so the, the faithfulness and, and the love and the, the, the love for Jesus that the saints of Philippi had was not a short-term thing. It was a long-term thing. So Polycarp, whom probably you don't know, but he's recognized as one of the early church fathers, right? Polycarp, he wrote a letter to um, to the bishop of... Uh, he was, sorry, the bishop of Smyrna. He wrote a letter to the Philippians in the early 2nd century. So this would be somewhere between 100 and 150 or so. And he says this to them. He says, And I also rejoice because the firm root of your faith, famous from the earliest of times, still abides and bears fruit for our Lord Jesus Christ, who endured for our sins even to face death. Right? This is like... Imagine this. Imagine this. Like 50 years after I'm dead, right? Some other pastor comes here and, and is with you for a while and, and rejoices with you and goes away and writes you a letter saying, I also rejoice because the firm root of your faith, famous from when from before Pastor Dan was here, right? Famous from the earliest times, 
still abides and bears fruit. So many of our churches in our denomination and throughout Christendom or Christianity within North America, so many churches are fading and closing and dying. There are only gray heads among the people in the pews and there are so few of them that they can either barely support a pastor or they can't at all and they're not making any impact in the con- in the community it feels like they're not they're, they're they're sitting there in their pews day like sunday after sunday but there is like 12 of them left and they don't want to try anything new and they don't want to reach out to the community and they don't want to employ their gifts to share the gospel why why would anybody want that? And I don't think those churches wanted that either. But maybe they weren't willing to do what needed to be done. Or maybe it snuck up on them. And so they were like surprised. They looked around one day and go, wow, there's hardly anybody here. Wow. Right? Don't don't let that happen to Athens CRC. Not because it's CRC, not because Athens CRC is anything special or more special than anywhere else or anybody else, but because God didn't call you to a fading away, to a whimper of a passing out. Right? Be this church God says. Be this church, this church that years and years later is still known for its faithfulness because you humbly serve the Lord. Let's go to the next slide. This is beautiful. I love this picture. So this picture is by a, a fellow named Don Priest or Price. I'm not sure how to say that. Anyways, it is called Song of the Prairie. And, and you can see it, right? You can see that these look like um, both uh, musical staff lines, right? But also, um, you know, these look vaguely like treble and bass claps and stuff like this. But also, um, the, the, the notes, all of it in, combined, in combination looks like, uh, almost like figures dancing across the, the notes across the staff, right? Figures dancing in joyful colors. And you can see below the, the clouds and the streamers raining down on the prairies, providing nourishment for the crops. Dance a song of the prayer. And this book, Dwelling with Philippians, says uh, in connection with this, with this beautiful image from Don Price, says, Paul pleaded and prayed to God in the joyful remembrance of his friends. These prayers are like a tune that spans the horizon of creation. Wherever we are, we can listen to and play, as Paul did, the joyful music of good memories. It's true. Right? I, I don't know if you've had the privilege, but I remember, I remember, I think, 
three communities that I've been a part of in my entire life, and I've been around, right? Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, I remember three communities that really stand out for me, that I remember the, the love, the, the passion, the faithfulness, the joy, the support, the, the understanding, and so on. One of them would have been my, my, my first year dorm in university. For the first life, time in my life, I went to Trinity Western University. For the first time in my life, I was faced... I had gone, with, I had gone to Christian schools all my life so far. A Christian elementary, Christian high school. I had been in the church all my life and so on. But I came for the first time and, and was living with 20 or so guys who loved God, who were not afraid to say anything about it. They were, they were open and honest with it. They had a lot of fun. They were there for me no matter what. They, 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 they were cool, at least in my eyes, right? And I, I couldn't believe it because all the, all the Christians that I had known in my life so far were, they were there because their parents made them or they were reluctant, or they didn't want to talk about faith because they felt like people would think they were uncool, or they're hypocritical, pretending to be one thing and being another on the rest. Like, and suddenly, my eyes opened up to a whole new way. That was one of those things. Another was Living Hope um, Christian Reformed Church and our friends there in Peterborough. Uh, when Gwyneth and I, when Gwyneth got a job teaching at Rima Christian School, we moved all the way from British Columbia to Peterborough, Ontario. And, uh, and shortly after that, praise be to God, we went to Living Hope Christian Reform Church. I had kind of sworn off the CRC at that point. I wasn't going to go to the CRC. Uh, I knew the CRC, I thought. I didn't want to be part of it. Um, but we, uh, we found love and welcome and friendship and support and community among the people of Living Hope Christian Reformed Church, especially some couples who were there uh, about the same age as us, and we just we just connected with them so much. And, and they are still friends, faithful followers of Jesus, doing amazing things all over the world to this day. In fact, not they're not here, so I can single them out. Um, Ian and Sheila ended up being... Um, friends developed uh, through that time as well. I had no idea they were connected to this place until, you know, later. <laughs> right? Um, it was beautiful and wonderful and great. Um, and then the third, the third of those communities is this one. Is Athens Christian Reformed Church. It has been and continues to be a blessed community and we are so grateful for your faithfulness and love, for your acceptance, for your support, for your righteousness, for your desire to follow God. Don't, do, don't lose that. I am going to, we are going to be pleading and praying to God in joyful remembrance of you, my friend. And we hope and pray and trust that God will continue 
the great and wonderful community that you have. Not that it's perfect. I don't want to swell your heads too much, right? Not that it's perfect. We've got, we've got stuff. We've got things to work on. We've got areas where the Spirit is moving among us, trying to clean out the corners and the cracks and the dark places. But continue to grow with God. And we will be praying and pleading for that. Let's go to the next slide. As we pray for it, as we pray for you, as we plead and pray with joyful remembrance of our friends, remember and always remember this, this verse from, uh, from Philippians. You can see it in the artwork, although it's maybe a little bit too far away for, for some of you. Um, this little artwork off to the side says, And I am sure of this. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming back. He will return and we will see him. We will be, uh, whether we've passed away and are raised from the dead, incorruptible and see him then, or, or whether we see him when we when we die and we go to heaven or whether we see him when we're still alive and returns and we're caught up in the air to see him whatever however that plays out he will return and his promise is true that he he who began such good things among you will see it through to completion now i don't know what that's going to look like nobody looks knows what that's going to look like uh, except for god Right? Nobody knows. It, it, it's theoretically possible that this church fails miserably in the next few years and the doors close and it never gets opened again and you all go away with sadness and disappointment and brokenheartedness and so on. It, theoretically, it's possible. Even so, whatever God was starting in you, whatever God was doing with you, He will see it through to completion. It's going to look a little weird, maybe. But He will see it through. So as we pray and plead for God in remembrance of our good friends here, know, never forget that what God has started in you, He will see through to completion. This poem here, <coughs> this poem is from 1771 by uh, Augustus M. I think. I'm not sure how to say that last name at all. This is only a portion of the poem. This is sort of the, the middle stanza. And it goes like this. The work which His goodness began, the arm of His strength will complete. His promise is yea and amen and never was forfeited yet. Things future nor things that are now nor all things below or above can make Him His purpose for go or sever my soul from his love. Nothing can take you away from your Lord and Savior. Let's go to the next slide. The reality is, brothers and sisters, that just like the people of Philippi, we are tremendously blessed. We are, we are blessed in so many ways. Not only do we live in a wonderful country where we have the freedom to worship God um, 
how, you know, we can worship God uh, and openly and honestly. We can even share the gospel with others and so on. All of those things are available to us. We also live in a country that is very economically blessed, let's face it. We live in a country that is geographically blessed. This is a gorgeous place to live and very fruitful uh, and awesome. Um, we, we live in a place where we can get education, uh, unlike many, many places where generally we don't face slavery, although sadly it, it is still going on. Um, we have so many things to be grateful for. Right? And so this, this poem uh, reminds us of, of some of the blessings that we have that the people of Philippi had, uh, although they had it in different measure and in different ways, um, but also some of our prayer for this world, our prayer that needs to be worked out not only as we pray, but also as we worship in our daily lives with our hands and our feet and our mouths, whatever we do, wherever we go. This is Terry Waite from Prayers Encircling the World from 1998. O oh Lord, in a world where many are lonely, we thank you for our friendship. In a world where many are captive, we thank you for our freedom. In a world where many are hungry, we thank you for your provision. We pray that you will enlarge our sympathy, deepen our compassion, and give us grateful hearts. Brothers and sisters, you have, we have, been given so many blessings. The greatest blessing of all being Jesus Christ our Savior, our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and salvation through Him. This is the biggest blessing of all. Let us not, let us not waste it. Let us not squander the inheritance we have been given. Let us, let us grow compassion. Let us grow and deepen and enlarge our sympathy. Let us, let us have grateful hearts. For God is so good. And God is so great. Brothers and sisters, even Paul, in his imprisonment, said to the people of Philippi, all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the death, defense and confirmation of the gospel. The, the Philippians were so empathetic and caring for Paul that it was, it was very much like they were there with him in prison. That he was not alone, but he was not only with the Spirit and with Christ in this prison, but he was also with the people of Philippi. He knew that they were there with him, that they cared. I hope and pray and trust. Um, well, I hope I'm not ever put in jail, but you never know. Could happen. Jason's right there. He's thinking about it, right? <laughs> right? I, I hope that, right? But even if I were, I hope and pray and trust that 
because of Jesus Christ our Lord, that you would be with me. And I hope and pray and trust that that will be more and more true, not just for me, not just for us, but for all the people who come into contact with you. That they will see you. And even if they stay here only a short amount of time, they will, they will carry you with them. Because they see in you the love of Christ made manifest. Let's pray. Oh Lord, in a world where many are lonely, we thank you for our friendships. In a world where many are captive, we thank you for our freedom. In a world where many are hungry, we thank you for your provision. We pray that you will enlarge our sympathy, deepen our compassion, and give us grateful hearts. We pray, O oh God, we pray, O oh God, that you will deepen our knowledge of you. That you will help us to have hearts that are overflowing with love more and more. So that in the day of Christ, we may be pure and blameless, having produced a harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. We pray this in the name of our Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, great three in one. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing as our song of response, give thanks, give thanks with a grateful heart. Let us stand if you are able and comfortable to do so and sing together praise to our Lord and Savior.